Welcome to Petrifaction. I'm your host, Petey. And if you like stories about ghosts, monsters, vampires, the weird and mysterious, UFOs, Bigfoot, and other cryptids, you're in the right place. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Remember, friends, be prepared to be petrified. One of my first jobs as a trainee was a search op for a four-year-old kid that had gotten separated from his mom. Now this was one of those cases where we knew we were going to find him because the dogs were on a strong scent trail and we saw clear signs that he was in the area. We ended up finding him in a berry patch about half a mile from where he'd been last seen. The kid wasn't even aware that he'd wandered that far. One of the vets brought him back, which I was glad for because I'm really not good with kids and I find it hard to talk to them and keep them company. As my trainer and I were headed back, she decides to take me on a detour to show me one of the hot spots where we tend to find missing people. It's a natural dip in the land near a popular trail and people will usually move downhill because it's easier. We hike out there, it's a few miles away, and we get there in about an hour or so. As we're walking around the area and she's pointing out places she's found people in the past, I see something in the distance. Now this area we're in is about eight miles from the main parking area, though there is back roads that you can take to get closer if you don't want to hike that far. But we're on state protected land, which means there can't be any kind of commercial or residential development out here. The most you'll ever see is a fire tower or makeshift shelter that homeless people think that they can get away with building. But I can see from here that whatever this thing is, it has straight edges. And there's one thing that you'll learn quickly and it's that nature rarely makes straight lines. I pointed out but she doesn't say anything. She just hangs back and lets me wander over and check it out. I get within about 20 feet of it and all the hair on the back of my neck stands up. It's a staircase in the middle of the effing woods. 
In the proper context, it would literally be the most benign thing ever. It's just a normal staircase with a beige carpet and about 10 steps tall. But instead of being in a house where it obviously should be, it's out here in the middle of the woods. The sides aren't carpeted and I can see the wood it's made of. It's almost like a video game glitch where the house has failed to load completely and the stairs are the only thing visible. I stand there and it's like my brain is working overtime to try and make sense of what I'm seeing. My trainer comes and stands next to me and she just stands there casually, looking at, looking at it as if it's the least interesting thing in the world. I ask her what the F this thing is doing here and she just chuckles. Get used to it, rookie. You're going to see a lot of them. I start to move closer, but she grabs my arm hard. I wouldn't do that, she says. Her voice is casual, but her grip is tight. And I just stand there looking at her. You're going to see them all the time, but don't go near them. Don't touch them. Don't go up them. Just ignore them. I start to ask her about it, but something in the way she's looking at me tells me that it's best if I don't. We end up moving on and the subject doesn't come up again for the rest of the training. And she was right though. I'd say about every fifth call I go on, I end up running across a set of stairs. Sometimes they're relatively close to the path, maybe within two or three miles. Sometimes they're 20, 30 miles out, literally in the middle of nowhere. And I only find them during the broadest searches or trainee weekends. They're usually in good condition, but sometimes it looks like they've been out there for years. All different kinds, all different sizes. The biggest I ever saw looked like they came out of a turn-of-the-century mansion and were at least 10 feet wide, with steps leading up at least 15 or 20 feet. I've tried talking about it with people, but they just give me this, the same response that my trainer gave me. It's normal. Don't worry about it. They're not a big deal. But don't go close to them or up them. So when trainees ask me about it now, I give them the same response. I don't really know what else to tell them. I'm really hoping someday I get a better answer, but it hasn't happened yet. I honestly don't know how I'd forgotten this story. But it is, by far, the scariest thing that's happened to me. I guess maybe I've tried so long to forget about it that it just doesn't come to mind right away. As someone who spends literally all their time in the woods, you don't ever want to let yourself get scared of being alone or out in the middle of nowhere. That's why when you have experiences like this, you tend to just forget them and move on. This is, to date, the only thing that's ever made me really seriously consider if this job is the right one for me. I don't really like talking about it much, but I'll do the best I can to remember it all. As I recall, this took place right at the end of the spring. It was a typical lost child call. A four-year-old girl, four girl had wandered away from her family's campsite and had been missing for about two hours. Her parents were completely despondent and told us what most parents do. 
my kid would never wander away. She's so good about staying close and she's never done anything like this before. We assure the parents that we'll do everything we can to find her and we spread out in a standard search formation. I was partnered with one of my good buddies and we were sort of casually holding conversation while we hiked. I know it sounds callous, but you do sort of become desensitized when you've done this long enough. It becomes the norm and I think to a certain extent you have to learn to desensitize yourself in order to work this job. We searched for a good two hours, going well beyond where we think she should be. And we come out of a small valley when something makes us both stop in unison. We freeze and look at each other and there's almost a sensation like a plane depressurizing. My ears pop and I have this odd sensation of having dropped about 10 feet. I start to ask my buddy if he felt, if he felt that. But before I can, we hear the loudest sound I've ever heard in my life. It's almost like a freight train passing directly by us, but it's coming from every direction at once, including above and below us. He screams something to me, but I can't hear him over this deafening roar. Understandably freaked out, we look all around us, trying to find the source of the sound, but neither of us sees anything. Of course, my first thought is a landslide, but we're not near any cliffs, and even if we were, it would have hit us by now. The sound goes on and on, and we're trying to yell to each other, but even standing close together, we can't hear anything but this sound. Then as sudden, suddenly as it starts, it stops, like someone threw a switch and cut it off. We stand there for a second, perfectly still, and slowly the normal sounds of the woods come back. He asked me what the fuck just happened, but I just kind of shrug and we stand there looking at each other for a minute. I get on the radio and ask if anyone else just heard the end of the fucking world, but no one else hears it even though... We're all within a shouting distance of each other. My buddy and I just sort of shrug it off and keep going. About an hour later, we all check up on the radios and no one's found the little girl. Most of the time, we won't search when it gets dark, but because we don't have any kind of lead on her, a few of us decide to keep going, including me and my buddy. We keep close together and we're calling out for her every couple of minutes. At this point, I'm hoping beyond hope that we find her because while well, I don't like kids, the idea of them being out in the woods alone in the dark is awful. The woods can be intimidating to kids in the daylight. At night, well, it's a whole different beast. But we're not seeing any signs of her or getting any responses. And around midnight, we decide to turn around and head back to the rendezvous point. We're about halfway back when my buddy stops and shines his light to the right of us into a really thick deadfall or group of dead trees. I ask him if he's heard a response, but he just tells me to be quiet a second and listen. I do. And in the distance, I can hear what sounds like a kid crying. We both call the girl's name and listen for any kind of response. 
but it's just really faint. We hear in the direction of this deadfall and go around it, calling her name, calling her over and over again. As we get closer to the crying, I start getting this weird feeling in my gut. I tell my buddy that something isn't right. He tells me he feels the same way, but we can't figure out what it is. We stop where we are and call the girl's name again. And at the same time, we both figured out the crying's on a loop. It's the same little hitching sob, then wail, then quiet hiccup, repeated over and over. It's exactly the same every time. And without saying another word, we both take off running. It's the only time I've ever lost my composure like that. But something about it was so incredibly wrong. Neither of us wanted to stay out there anymore. When we got back to the rendezvous, we asked if anyone else had heard anything strange, but no one else knew what we were talking about. Note sounds sort of anticlimactic. That call fucked me up for a long time. As for the little girl, we never found a trace of her. We keep an eye out for her and all the other people who we've never found, but frankly, I doubt, doubt we'll ever find anything. Of the missing person calls I've been on, only a handful have ever resulted in a complete disappearance, meaning no trace of the person and no body ever found. But sometimes finding a body just leads to more questions than answers. Here are some of the bodies we found that have become infamous in our team. A teenage boy whose remains were recovered almost a year after he vanished. We found the top of his skull, two finger bones, and his camera almost 40 miles from where he was last seen. The camera sadly was destroyed. The pelvis of an older man who had vanished a month earlier, that was all we found. The lower jaw and right foot of a two-year-old boy on the highest peak of a ridge in the southern part of the park. The body of a 10-year-old girl with Down syndrome almost 20 miles from where she'd vanished. She had died of exposure three weeks after going missing and all of her clothes were intact except for her shoes and jacket. There were berries and cooked meat in her stomach when they did, did, when they did the autopsy. Coroner said it appeared as if someone had been taking care of her. There were no suspects ever identified. The frozen body of a one-year-old baby found a week after vanishing in the hollow trunk of a tree 10 miles from the area he was last seen. There was fresh milk in his stomach, but his tongue was gone. A single vertebra and right kneecap of a three-year-old girl found in the snow almost 20 miles from the campground her family had been at the previous summer. Now on to a couple of the stories my friend told me. I mentioned that you were all interested in the stairs and you're in luck. He's had a closer encounter with them than me. 
Though he doesn't have any explanation for them either, he does have a bit more experience with them than I do. My buddy has been an SAR officer for about seven years. He started when he was a junior in college, and he had a very similar experience when he first encountered the stairs. His trainer told him almost the same thing mine did, which was to never go near, touch, or ascend them. For the first year, he did just that, but apparently his curiosity got the better of him, and on one call, he broke away from the line and went to go check a set of them out. He said they were about 10 miles from the path where a teen girl had gone missing and the dogs were following a scent. He was on his own, lagging behind the main group, when he saw a set of stairs off to his left. It looked like they were from a new house because the carpeting was pristine and white. He said that as it got closer he didn't feel any different or hear any weird noises. He was expecting something to happen, like bleeding from his ears or collapsing, but he got right up next to them and didn't feel anything. The only thing he said was there wasn't that was odd was there was absolutely no debris on the steps. No dirt, no dust, no leaves, nothing. There didn't appear to be any signs of animal or insect activity either, which he found to be strange. It was less like things were avoiding them and more like they just happened to be in a relatively barren part of the forest. He touched the stairs and didn't feel anything except that sort of sticky feeling you get from new carpet. Making sure his radio was on, he slowly climbed the stairs. He said it was terrifying because the way they had been stigmatized, he wasn't really sure what was going to happen to him. He joked that half of him expected to be teleported to some other dimension and the other half was watching for a UFO to come swooping down. But he got to the top with little event and he stood there looking around. But he said the longer he stood on the top, the more he felt like he was doing something very, very wrong. He described it as the feeling you'd get if you were in a part of a government building you have no business being in. As if someone was going to come and arrest you or shoot you in the back. He tried to brush it off, but the feeling got stronger and stronger. And that's when he realized that he couldn't hear anything anymore. The sounds of the forest were gone. And he couldn't hear his own breathing. It was like some sort of weird, awful tinnitus. But more oppressive. He climbed back down and rejoined the search and didn't mention what he'd done. But he said the weirdest part came later. The trainer gave him this really awful, almost dead-eyed look and told him that if he ever went up another set of stairs again, he'd be fired immediately. The trainer walked away, and I guess he's never answered any of the questions my buddy has asked him about it since. My buddy's been involved in a lot of missing persons cases where there's never been a trace of them found. I mentioned David Polites, and my buddy said he can confirm that those stories are, for the most part, accurate. He said that most of the time, if the person isn't found right away, they're either never found or they're found weeks, months, or years later in places they can't possibly have gotten to. One story he told me really stood out, 
that involved a five-year-old boy with a severe mental disability. The little boy vanished from a picnic area in the late fall. In addition to the mental disability, he was also physically handicapped. And his parents explained over and over that he simply could not have vanished. It was impossible. Someone had to have taken him. My buddy said they searched for this kid for weeks, going miles out of the accepted range. But it was like he'd never been there. The dogs couldn't pick up his scent anywhere, not even in the picnic area where he'd apparently vanished from. Suspicion fell on the parents, but it was pretty clear that they were devastated and they hadn't done anything sinister to their kid. The search was concluded about a month later and my buddy said everyone had pretty much forgotten by, about it later in the winter. He was out on a training op in the snow on one of the higher peaks when he came across something in the snow. He said he saw it from further away at first and when he got closer he realized it was a shirt, frozen and sticking part way out of the powder. He recognized it as belonging to that kid because it had a distinctive pattern. About 20 yards away he found the kid's body laying partially buried in the snow. My buddy said there was no way the kid had been dead for any more than a few days, even though he'd been missing for almost three months. The kid was curled up around something, and when my buddy brushed off the snow to see what it was, he said he almost couldn't believe what he was seeing. It was a big chunk of ice that had been carved crudely to look sort of like a person. The kid was holding it so tight that it had frostbitten his chest and hands, which my buddy could tell, even with the decay that had taken place. He radioed the rest of the crew, and they took the body off the mountain. Now, he recapped all this for me, and to put it simply, there was no way this kid could have both survived for almost three months on his own or have gotten to this peak. There was no physical way. This child could have walked almost 50 miles and ended up on the top of a goddamn mountain. To top it off, there was nothing in the kid's stomach or colon. Nothing, not even water. It was like, my buddy said, the kid had been taken off the face of the earth, put in suspended animation and then dropped off on the top of this mountain months later only to die of exposure. He's never really gotten over that one. The last story I'll share from him was one that took place relatively recently, only a few months ago. They were out doing a recon for mountain lions because there'd been several reports of sightings in the last couple of days. One of our jobs is to scout out the areas where these animals are seen to ensure that they are in the area. We can then warn people and close off the trails. He was out on his own in a very heavily forested part of the park, 
toward dusk when he heard what sounded like a woman screaming in the distance. Now, as most of you know, when a mountain lion screams, it sounds almost exactly like a woman being brutally murdered. It's unsettling, but far from abnormal. My buddy radioed back and let Ops know that he heard one and that he was going to keep going to see if he could figure out where its territory started. He heard the mountain lion scream a couple more times, always from the same spot, and determined the approximate area of the mountain lion's territory. He was about to head back when he heard another scream, this time within only a few yards of him. Of course, he freaks out and he starts heading back at a much faster pace because the last thing he wants is to run into a goddamn mountain lion and get mauled to death. As he got back on the path and started heading back, the screaming followed him and he broke into a jog. When he was about a mile from Ops, the screaming stopped. He turned around to see if it was a lion. It was almost night by this point, but he said in the distance, just before the path rounded a corner, he could see what looked like a male figure. He called out to them, warning them that the paths were closed and that he needed to come back to the welcome center. The figure just stood there and my buddy started to walk over. When he's about 10 yards away, the figure, the figure took, as he described, an impossibly long step toward him and let out the same scream my buddy had been hearing. My buddy didn't even say anything. He just turned and sprinted back to Ops, never looking back. By the time he got back, the screaming had moved back into the, into the woods. He didn't mention it to anyone else, just said that there was a mountain lion in the area and that they would need to close the paths until the animal could be located and moved. going to end this entry here since it's turned into a hell of a wall of text. I'm going to be heading out on a yearly training op tomorrow morning so I'll be gone until early next week. I'll be meeting with a lot of former trainers and buddies who work in other areas of the park and I'll be asking around about other stories that they'd like to share. I'm so glad you guys have been interested in my stories and once I'm back from this op I'll continue to share. that's all for today's podcast. I thank you for tuning in and I hope you liked the show. If you did, please tell a friend, give us a rating and hit subscribe. If you have a story you would like to share on Petrifaction, you can contact me at pd at petrifaction at protonmail.com. And remember to check out today's show notes for more information on today's stories. Please return next time to hear more stories and friends be prepared to be petrified. <laughs>